Well, good morning. Well, I can say this, that the reason that I am both a Rangers and an Astros fan is because they weren't always in the same division, nor were they always in the same league. I grew up near Houston, Texas, so I grew up an Astros fan uh, for the most part of my life. And then when we moved here, um, I'd always kind of liked the Rangers from a distance because they were in the American League, and there was no chance of the two really ever making it to the World Series together. So I could root for both teams collectively. Um, and so uh, as I got here, the Astros were absolutely terrible. And so I still kind of liked them from a distance. They were my childhood team, uh, but started liking uh, more the Rangers because that's what was on the radio all the time. And, of course, the uh, Rangers made it to the World Series, so that was a big uh, push in our family, uh, my boys. And so we go to Rangers games a lot. And so I still like the Rangers and the Astros, and I'm actually really glad that they're in the same division because I get to see them play each other more often. And uh, who knows? They may play in the playoffs, and I may have my Rangers hat on with my Astros shirt on. I don't know. Uh, We'll have to see about that. Maybe I'll just root for whoever's the home team at that time. Uh, But if you have your copy of God's Word, I invite you to open up to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. We'll be looking at Psalm 116 today. Psalm 116. And I don't know about you, but I'm always amazed. I shouldn't be because God does this over and over again at the way that he prepares a message for his people at just the right time. What I mean by that is when, when Matt called me to, to come and to preach this morning, we didn't know anything that was going to be happening this past week in the life of your church family. But by, good, by God's goodness and grace, I believe that what he's going to say to us today will be of great encouragement and hope to us as we grieve the loss of a, of a, a brother in Christ and minister to a family. We're going to look at Psalm 116 today and see that God is worthy of our love, our trust, and our devotion because he hears and helps his people. The book of Psalms, there's a lot of ways you could kind of characterize the Psalms. Uh, They are a collection of poetry and songs that were used in the life of Israel, the nation of Israel. They were collected, there's 150 of them, and they were all collected and used in the regular worship of Israel throughout its life for years and years and years, hundreds of years. And not only was the Psalms used in the Old Testament times through the nation of Israel, but it also became the songbook of the church. In the early church, when they began to understand who Jesus was in the New Testament, Jesus comes and he says that he is the Messiah that the Old Testament has proclaimed. We can see in the New Testament, we can see where they are looking back to different passages in the Old Testament scriptures and finding the, the, the signs pointing to Jesus. And many of those are found in the Psalms. The Psalms themselves are the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. So if you're reading through the New Testament and you come across a passage and it says, as the scriptures say, and it's pointing back, more likely than not, it's going to be pointing back to the Psalms because the Psalms were paving the way, just like the rest of the Old Testament, to point us to a Messiah, a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus. And so the Psalms have become this songbook in the early church and have carried out throughout church history. Even the songs that we sing today, many of them are just musical adaptations because we don't have the actual notes and the music that they sang, but we take the words and we put them to music. And so we're still singing these songs today. So 
let us not think about the Psalms as some ancient hymn book, but it is the psalm book of the church today, of your church, of my church at Normandale Baptist, where I'm a member and an elder. We, we sing these songs together. And another way I like to look at the Psalms is that they are kind of like a mountain range. When you read the Psalms, it covers the range of emotions in the human life. If you've read through this, you see this. There are some Psalms you read that are songs of declaration of praise or thanksgiving to God. And then there are also Psalms of what might be called lament, of someone who is going through a very, very difficult, dark time in their life, and they are crying out to God for his help. And what I mean by that the Psalms are a mountain range is that I kind of look at the Psalms of praise kind of like the peaks of the mountain range, and the Psalms of lament kind of like the valleys. When you're on the peak, and you're, it's, the, it's the praises to God, and you read those psalms of praise and thanksgiving, which we're going to read today, it's as if somebody is standing on the mountaintop, and he's shouting back down to those in the valley, saying, I have seen the goodness of the Lord, and he is everything that he promises to be. And when we look at the psalms of lament, those psalms oftentimes is somebody who's in a very difficult, dark time, And they are looking up the mountain in expectant hope that God will come through. And so we see these peaks and valleys form a mountain range for us where those who are in the valley and are struggling and are looking up the mountain, maybe the clouds have even covered the peaks of the mountain and they can't see the peaks. And they are just trusting in God. And then there are those of us who are on the mountaintop and we can say, I used to be in the valley. I've gone through that dark time, and the Lord has delivered me. The Lord has come through, and I want you to know you can continue to trust the Lord. So there's like this back and forth that goes on in the Psalms, and we're going to look at that here in Psalm 116. If you have your copy of God's Word, read along silently as I read aloud Psalm 116. The psalmist says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds And I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, 
in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, you are good to us, as we've sang this morning, that even in the darkness, that we can cry out and trust that you are who you say you are. And we can trust and know that you are a God who hears and helps his people. Father, I pray that through your word, you would convince us of that and encourage us with that today. We pray this in the holy name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So this psalm is a man who has gone through a great time. He's actually describing for us in the first verses exactly what he went through. And as we look at this, it's, he's going to tell us, he starts off at the very beginning, I love the Lord because. And the rest of the psalm is telling us why he loves the Lord so much. And so as we read the first two verses, he says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. These first two verses actually are a summary of the rest of the psalm. That he is saying, I love the Lord because I cried out to him and he heard my prayers and he responded to me and he delivered me from my weakness and he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I'm going to continue to call on him as long as I live. And that's the way that we are as Christians. As we have experienced the goodness of God in our lives, it reinvigorates our confidence in him, our trust in him, so that we continue to go back to him over and over and over again. We see that he was in some kind of life and death circumstance. If you look in verse 3, it says, The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol, or the grave, laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. This is what he did in his time of need. He cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. We don't really know what he was going through. It could have been a physical life and death situation. It could have been some type of illness that he was going through. It could have been some enemies who were after him. It could have been a number of things. We don't really know if this was a literal life and death situation or because this is poetry, it could just be kind of a poetic expression of a very difficult, dark time in this man's life. Either way, he says he calls out to the Lord in his distress, in his weakness, in his anguish, he cries out to the Lord for deliverance. And he says here that he calls on the name of the Lord. That, that phrase, calling on the name of the Lord, is used throughout Scripture to describe both prayer and praise, which is really good for us to see because not only was he crying out to God in prayer, but he was crying out to God in praise, in expectant hope that God would deliver him from his time of need. And so he says here that I love the Lord because he heard my voice Am I pleased for mercy? Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. It says he, that God inclined his ear to me. Now, the way I look at this is that this is not God just, he kind of hears all of the people's prayers on the earth as kind of white noise in the background. Some people think that that's the way God is, that he kind of gets bits and pieces of our prayers and he kind of decides arbitrarily who he's going to answer a prayer for and who he's not going to argue, uh, answer a prayer for. But I like to think of it whenever he's talking about this inclining the ear, it's kind of like 
Uh, and ladies, don't elbow your husbands when I say this because I'm about to confess something that may be true of your husband. But there are times whenever I am watching TV, maybe a Rangers game, and my wife will come to me and she'll really have something important she wants to say to me. And she'll begin to talk to me and I will go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she knows now to ask the question, are you listening to me? Did you hear me? Now, again, if you've, if you've been through that, maybe I'm the only one. But, you know, and I'll go, oh, oh yes, yes, I'm listening to you. When, when in all actuality, her voice, I could hear the words that she was saying, but I was not listening to what she had to say. That is not the way that God listens to the prayers of his people. It says here that he inclined his ears, his ear to me. And what that is kind of a picture of is God leaning in, listening carefully to the prayers of his people. God cares for each and every one of you. He cares for me. He cares for my family. God loves us and cares for us. And so when we pray to him, even in our difficult circumstances, we can trust that he inclines his ear to us, that he is leaning in and listening. Isn't that good to know that we have a God who hears our prayers and responds to our prayers? Now, he may not always respond to your prayers exactly like you want him to. But we know throughout Scripture that he responds and gives us exactly what we need when we need it. But it is such a comfort to us to know that when we pray, that God hears his people. So he starts off this psalm saying, I love the Lord because he hears his people. There are many of us in this room today who may be in peaks and valleys in our life. There may be some great distress and anguish going on in your life. It could be financial struggles. Looking at the month of September coming up in the next couple of days and all the money for September is already spent. And you're just not sure how you're going to dig out of that. It could be relational struggles at work or at home that there are some difficult relationships in your life that are causing you great pain and anguish. It could be beyond that. It could be a medical diagnosis, an illness that you've been dealing with, maybe even a chronic illness that you've been given that is just draining the life out of you. Or it could be just the deep, dark doldrums of depression. And you're just not sure that you can continue in this pattern. Know this. That if you are in that time, whatever it might be, that we have a God who hears his people. God is listening to you and to your prayers. And again, you may be one, you may say, Keith, I want to trust that he hears his people. But whenever I'm praying, it seems like it's just bouncing off the ceiling and coming back. Trust me. Trust the scriptures. God does hear and he will respond in his time. And so as we think about this, we know that God is worthy of our love, our trust, and our devotion because he hears his people. Throughout Scripture, we see God inviting us to call out to him. He says, call unto me, and I will answer. We see him saying through Jesus, ask, and it will be given to you. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek, and you will find. There's a constant invitation throughout the scriptures for us to continue to come to him and praise God through Jesus as the book of Hebrews tells us that because of Jesus, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and put our burdens before God. And Jesus himself says, come on to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, 
and find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God constantly throughout the scriptures and here in this passage is calling us to be those who call on him in our time of need. And so as we look at the next verses in verses five through seven, we see that not only does God hear his people, but he actually cares for his people. Verse five says, gracious is the Lord and righteous our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple, which just means that he watches out for the helpless. And when I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. So not only do we see again that God hears his people, but he cares for his people. This, these first words here, gracious is the Lord and righteous, our God is merciful. What he is saying there is he is saying to us, God is everything that he himself promises to be. Did you know God promises to be gracious and merciful and righteous? In the book of Exodus, Moses is talking with God, and God is pretty disgusted with the children of Israel because of their lack of faith. And Moses says, God, you know, we would rather stay in the desert with your presence than go into the promised land without it. And he's praying to God, he's talking to God, and he says, God, would you just show me who you are? And God says, nope, I'm not, I can't show you who I am. You would die if I did. So what I'm going to do is I want you to go to this mountain cliff and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of put my hand over here. I'm going to walk past you and you'll be able to kind of see maybe the backside of my glory, if you will. And so in Exodus chapter 34, God, as he passes by Moses, declares who he is. And in Exodus 34 Verse 6 says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So God himself promises to be gracious and compassionate. That's his character, is to be gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And that phrase, that description of God that he gives to us is repeated over and over throughout the scriptures in various passages of scripture. And I think that's what this psalmist is saying to us that, hey, remember how God promised to be this? In the dark time of my life, I cried out to him and he did deliver me. And on the backside of it, I can look back and say that he is everything he promised to be. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. He is rich in love. He does care for his people. That he is everything he promised to be. When you get to the end of your rope, you will find him there because he cares for you. As we read on, we see in verses 8 through 11, he says, For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke. These are the quotes that he said in his time of uh, darkness. He says, I am greatly afflicted. And then he said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. So we get this picture of faith in the midst of doubt. I don't know if you've ever been there before. I have. In very difficult, dark times, sometimes you wonder, is God going to come through? And we, we look here in verses 10 and 11, and it says that I believed even when I spoke, I'm greatly afflicted. So even in the midst of his pain and the difficult times, he said, I, I choose to believe God, that you are going to come through in this difficult time. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I believe even though I'm in this affliction. 
And then he also says that he said in his alarm, all mankind are liars. And the kind of picture that you can get there is that there are people that were around him that said, I'll be there for you when you go through a difficult time. And as soon as he hit that difficult time, they left him. And so in his isolation, like everybody around me promised that they were with me, that they were on my side. But in my time of need, I had nobody around me. All mankind are liars. They lied to me. But God, I trust that you are not lying to me. And even in the darkness, even though I don't see when the darkness is going to lift, even though I look up the mountain and all I see is clouds and I can't see the sun, I trust that the sun is on the other side of those clouds and that one day, God, that you will deliver me. And so that is his prayer. He trusts that God hears his people, that he cares for his people, and that God does rescue his people. We see here he says that God wipes away his tears, sets his feet on stable ground. And again, if you look at this and you say, well, yeah, that's great. He can, he can say those things now that he's on the backside of the difficult time and he's on this mountaintop and he can praise God. But Keith, you don't understand. Again, I'm, I'm praying, but I'm not getting the answers that I'm looking for in my prayers. Let me first just say, I understand where you're coming from. About 10 to 12 years ago, I went through a very difficult time in my own life of darkness and some spiritual doubt, just wrestling with a lot of things. And I did not know if I was ever going to come out on the other side better off than I had started. There were some very dark days when I wasn't sure I could go on. But in those dark days, I just continued to trust that the Lord was who he said he was, that I would just have to walk through that, and that I would just have to be patient and wait for him. And I, just like this psalmist, can tell you that God did bring me out of it. It it, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like God said, okay, you've prayed enough times. I know you're really serious now. Boom, everything's better now. No, it was a period of years in my life where I was working through these and struggling through these things, and God slowly but surely showed me his grace and his mercy and kindness and delivered me from that time. Trust that the Lord does care for you and that he will bring rescue in your time of need. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, that I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. He was one of the strongest Christian leaders the church has ever known. And he says that there was given to him a, what he calls a thorn in the flesh. We have no idea what it is. It's something that he had in his life that was of great pain and difficulty in his life. And he says, I prayed over and over and over again for God to remove this thorn from my flesh. And God does respond to his prayer. But his prayer is not, his prayer is not answered the way he was originally praying it. He's praying for God to remove it, and God doesn't remove it, but God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul stands as this testimony to say, even if you continue in this difficult time, even if the finances don't get better, even if the illness doesn't go away, even if the relationship is not mended, God's graciousness and his grace will carry you through. Look here, he says that, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. He is saying there that in his difficult time that he continued to walk, to trust in the Lord, and to be faithful to the Lord regardless of his circumstances. That's really difficult to do. Faith is trusting that the Bible is true regardless of circumstances or how you feel. And so in faith, he continued to walk in that darkness and cry out to the Lord. Now, one of the interesting things here that we see is that in verse 8, he says, for you have delivered my soul from death. Notice he does not say my body from death. He says my soul from death. 
While God is concerned for every aspect of your life, the little things in your life, the big things in your life, God is concerned about those things in your everyday life. But more important than any of those things, more important than your finances, than your relationship, than your job, than your physical health, God is concerned for your soul. And the salvation of your soul is his primary aim. And he says here, for you have delivered my soul from death. Every single one of us is broken. And we're broken because of sin in our own lives. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are in a dangerous predicament in our sin. We have rebelled against God in our sin. And we have alienated ourselves from God, from his presence, from his hand in our life. And if we continue on that path, when we die, we will be separated from him forever. That's the predicament of every human being. But God, in his grace, in his rich and merciful love, sent his son Jesus, who lived the perfect life you and I could not live, who died the death that we deserved to give us the life that he has in him, who rose from the dead, conquering sin and death, to declare to us that he is approved by God as the righteous Savior, as the one promised here. And so regardless of the difficulties that you're going through in life, the prayer that God answers every single time is the cry of repentance for salvation of your soul from the Lord. If you have never put your faith and trust in Christ, if you've never confessed your sins to him, asked him to change you, to take control of your life, God is inviting you through his word to do that today. That far past any of the other things that are going on in your life, your soul is of the utmost importance to him and he has made a way for you to be rescued and saved from your sin. If that's you this morning and you want to talk more about that, at the end of the service, we'll have a response time. You can come down and pray with me or someone else. And I'd be happy to share with you how you can know the salvation available in Christ for your soul. So we see here that the psalmist says, I love the Lord because he hears his people, he cares for his people, and he rescues his people. Well, the first, that's the first half of this psalm is kind of his description of why he loves the Lord, what God did for him in his time of need, that you can trust the Lord no matter what. And then he kind of switches gears. He asks kind of a rhetorical question in, in verse 12. He says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? So maybe you've experienced the deliverance of the Lord. You've experienced God come through in your time of need. Well, how should you live in response to that? How should we as Christians who have experienced the deliverance of our soul, how should we respond with our lives to that? And so he describes for us four ways that we can respond to God's goodness and deliverance in our lives. And those four ways are that we are to worship him, that we are to trust him, that we're to obey him, and that we're to proclaim him. So I'm going to kind of walk through that. But those are the four things, to worship him, to trust him, to obey him, and to declare him. Look at verse 12. He says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Now, how many of you like to eat? Anybody in here like to eat? I really like to eat. Okay, imagine if you go over to a friend's house and they prepare this meal for you. You sit down, you eat 
this amazing meal. Then they pull out this dessert that just blows your mind away. All right? Just, you're just like, wow, this is probably the best dessert I've ever had. What is the best way for you to show them that you really liked it and to tell them that you are thankful for it? Well, you could tell them with your words, oh, this is really good. That would be one way, but that wouldn't be the best way because if you're a nice person, you have eaten meals that you did not like and you have said, oh, it was good. Thank you very much. Right? And they say, oh, would you like some more? And you say, no, I'm good. Right? But what he's saying here is he says, uh, here he says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. What really tells that person that you liked it is you lift up your plate and you say, can I have some more? Right? That's the true test of whether or not you are grateful and thankful and, and in a sense are praising what they have made as when you ask for more. So he says here, I've experienced God's salvation and now I lift up that cup of salvation and say, God, would you give me more of you? One of the first responses that we have in, when we are delivered by God from whatever circumstances it might be is that we hold up that cup of salvation and say, God, you were good and I worship you. You are the one who made this possible and I just want more and more and more of you, God. Those of us who've experienced the salvation in Christ know what this is like. And when we come on Sunday mornings and we sing these worship songs to God, it is a way of us holding up the cup of salvation and saying, God, I just want more of you. I want to celebrate who you are. He also says there, I will pay my vows to the Lord. Now, we're not really familiar. What does that mean? He's paying a vow. He's like paying off a debt or he made a promise or how does that work? Well, uh, in other psalms, you see in the, some of the psalms of lament, you'll see somebody, they're going through this difficult time, they're crying out to God, and they make a vow of an, an offering or sacrifice that they're going to make when God delivers them. Now, this is different than maybe a prayer that you might have prayed at some point in your life that you prayed and you said, God, if you get me out of this, then I will do X, Y, Z. I will go to church every Sunday. I will give all my money away. I'll help old ladies across the street. Whatever it is that you had promised to God. Maybe I've made those, those uh, promises to God before. God, just, if you could just get me through this test that I'm taking, you know, I, I, I'm going I'm to be, do better next time, right? That's not the vow that he's talking about here. It's not an if-then that God, I'm going to make a conditional statement that if you come through, then I'll praise you. No, no, no. It's not if, it's when. The vow that he made was, God, when you deliver me, I will declare it to everybody I know that you were the one responsible for this, that you were the one who delivered me from this. A lot of times in our lives, we say we're thankful for things, but we don't actually say we're thankful to God for those things. Do you see the difference in that? When we begin to, in some ways, almost take credit or call it dumb luck when things happen in our lives, and we don't even realize it a lot of times, because we can use the word thanks or thanksgiving toward people or toward God. In the Hebrew language, which is what language this is written in, the word that's used here for thanks and thanksgiving is only, was only used in reference to God in that day. And they wanted people to know, I was delivered from this, and I am worshiping God, I am thanking him, and it is him, because of him, that this happened. And I wonder sometimes in our own lives, how often is that Thanksgiving apparent in our own lives? In your everyday conversations with people, your Facebook posts, you, you know, if somebody were to eavesdrop into your conversations, would they hear you saying, well, I'm really thankful that that worked out? 
Are they hearing you say, I am so thankful to God who made a way and answered my prayers and it is because of him that this happened in my life. There's a small, small change and a shift in our attitude and our expression of it. So we see that it is worshiping him is one of the things that we do in response to it. That these, these vows that he is paying are not an if-then statement. It's a when-then statement. It's not a bargain deal that he made with God. Secondly, we see that we can trust him. One of the great things about God is when we see him answering prayers in our life, it reinvigorates our confidence in him to continue to provide for us and do those things in our lives. And so there's a trust that's built. And when we experience his grace in one area of our life, we can trust him when we face another difficult time. Because I don't know about you, but I go through cycles of difficult time and good times and difficult times and good times. You don't just come out of one difficult time and go, oh, everything's going to be great from this point forward. But when you go through that period of time and you come out of it, and then as you enter into another difficult time in your life, whether it be a relationship or finance or something like that, then you know God has been faithful in the past. He'll continue to be faithful in the future so I can trust him. And I will trust him. He says here that I believed when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. And so we can trust him. Another verse we see here is verse 15 that says, precious In the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, the saints that it's talking about here is not some, you know, the super holy people that it's only the the really, what we would call really big, great Christians in life that those are the ones that God cares about their death. No. Saints just means holy one. Anyone who has, is a follower of him, any one of his people is a saint. And it says here in verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, how appropriate is that for this church family this morning? For Daniel, that God is concerned for every single one of his people who walks through the valley of the shadow of death. That he is there for them, that he cares for them, that he hears their cries, and that he will not withhold his presence from them. That he is an ever-present help in trouble. That he is there for us in our time of need, that he is near to the brokenhearted. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So it should cause us to trust him more as we reflect on the great ways in which God has delivered us from various things in our life. And the prayers that he's answered should only cause to reinvigorate our confidence in him. The third thing is that One of our responses is an attitude of service toward God and obedience. He says here in verses, uh, excuse me, in verse 16, he says, O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. So he's not a slave to God now, like he just owes God something. You could never pay back God for the good things he does in your life. That's not what he's talking about here. He says, you've loosed my bonds. You've set me free, but I am devoting myself to you. I am giving my service over to you. So my obedience is a response to your goodness. That is the picture of the gospel that we have in scripture, that it's not that we do good things and then God likes us and God saves us because of the good things we do. No, no, no. He saves us in spite of the bad things that we do and who we are. And in response to that, we respond in obedience and love and devotion to him. And finally, we not only are worshiping him and trusting him 
and devoting our lives to him in service and obedience. But when God does these things in our life, when he comes through, we should proclaim him. Look here in verses 17 through 19. He says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Again, you see this call on the name of the Lord. He called on the name of the Lord in his difficult times, and he's calling on the name of the Lord in a time of good and a good time, on the peaks and the valleys. He's calling out to the name of the Lord. He says, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So we see here he's offering this sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's, what's interesting about this is a lot of times when we're reading this, we see it's a, an individual who's responding to God. But if you look at this, there's actually a congregational or a corporate aspect to this thanksgiving and praise. What I mean by that is he made a vow likely in, in the temple in front of a lot of people that when God answered his prayer and delivered him, that he would give this this vow. He vowed to bring these, offer these sacrifices of praise to God and sacrifices of thanksgiving, these offerings. And now he's delivering on that promise. So he says, I'm, I'm coming into the courts of God's people and I am declaring to them that God has answered my prayer. And I'm offering up this, uh, this offering of thanksgiving in light of that. And in the church, that is the place where we have an opportunity to declare God's goodness to us and to encourage one another with that. The church is a place where we can say, hey, I have been praying about this and God has answered this prayer. Will you celebrate with me? There's a congregational corporate aspect to this. When he says praise the Lord at the end, that's the word hallelujah, uh, which means it's the highest form of praise to the Lord. We actually sang it in one of the songs this morning. Hallelujah just means praise the Lord. It's the highest form of praise that the Hebrews had. And when, when they did it, it was, de- it was declarative in the sense that it was saying, I'm praising the Lord. But it was also an invitation for others around you to praise the Lord with you. And isn't it good to know that when God does things in our life, whenever he comes in and he answers prayers, that we can go to other believers in the church and say, look what God did. And they can celebrate and praise God with us. That's what we're doing on Sunday mornings many times as we're coming together, declaring the goodness of God in our lives. And think about what encouragement that would be to maybe somebody in your small group or somebody sitting on the pew with you when you are declaring the praise of God. Say, hey, God has delivered me from this particular area of my life, that God has rescued me, that he has saved, he has answered this prayer. Maybe they're going through a difficult, dark time. And sometimes we think that, oh, if I talk about the good things in my life, that's just going to make them feel bad that God hasn't done that in their life. And we, we, we kind of, so we, we reserve it. We just kind of, I'll praise God on my own, but I'm not going to praise God among everybody. No, no, no. That's not the way that God causes people. This, this invitation is for, hey, will you celebrate with me the goodness of God? And even those that are going through difficult, dark times can celebrate with you. They can say, wow, that is incredible. I'm so thankful that God has, has heard your prayers and answered your prayers. And you can say, hey, I know you're going through a dark time right now, but God will answer those prayers in his due time, in his own way. It may not answer it the way you want him to answer it, but he will be faithful. His goodness and his grace will be enough for you. And so there's a congregational aspect to this proclamation. But we also see that this proclamation doesn't just stay inside the church. It also goes out into the world. Look there in... uh, Verse 18 says, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. So that's where we see the congregational aspect that he's declaring these praises to those in there. Uh, But also in the courts of the house of the Lord, 
in your midst, O Jerusalem. So we see these kind of, this ripple effect, concentric circles of praise and proclamation of what God has done and the goodness of God that starts there in, among God's people, kind of goes to the outer courts and it goes to the whole city. There's this idea that because of God's goodness to us that we respond in declaring that praise to those around us. Do the people around you know about the good things that God has done in your life? If you're a Christian, do the people around you at work, your family, your friends, do they know, have you told them about God's grace to you and how he has saved your soul from death? That's why we do evangelism. That's why we do missions. That's why we travel to different places. That's why we walk across the street and talk to our neighbors and share the good news of the gospel. It is a way for us to proclaim God's goodness to us because we know that he will answer that prayer of salvation for them as well. And so it should stir our hearts when we experience God's goodness, when he answers those prayers, when we're on the mountaintop, we should respond to God in genuine worship to him in continued confidence and trust with him in obedience and service toward him and also in proclamation to others of how great our God is. We're about to have a time of response. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe the Lord has just recently done something incredible in your life where he has come through in a time of deep need in your life. And today, as we respond, your response might just be to praise God this morning and just to remember the good things that he's done in your life. For some of you, you may be in the valley and going through a very difficult time. Hear the words of this psalmist who says that God is everything he promises to be and more. And he will come through for you in his own time, in his own way, and that his grace is sufficient for you. Maybe you've never trusted Christ with your life. Maybe you have gone through this life, you've seen the brokenness in your own life, you've tried to fix it yourself, but it's only gotten more and more and more broken. Won't you come to God today? He does hear the cries of repentance and he does answer with forgiveness and restoration in your own life. This will be your opportunity to do that. But before we do that, before we enter into a time of prayer and song, I'm gonna do something that's maybe a little unorthodox, maybe, uh, but I, I, wanna, I wanna do this this morning. I'm gonna ask some people to stand and I know I'm an, kind of an introverted person, so if you ever ask me to do that, I'll be, a, I'll be very wary of what that is. But just hear me out on this. I'm going to ask some people to stand. If you have ever gone through a very difficult, dark time in your life, and you prayed and prayed, and God answered your prayer, you saw God deliver you in a time of need, I'm going to, just as a sign of praise and declaration, that you don't have to tell us about it, but if you would just stand if you've ever experienced God's goodness in your life where you've prayed and God has come through and delivered you. Now, look around this room. Look at all the people, every single one. We could go around this entire room and each person could give evidence to what it was, what the circumstance was, how God delivered them in a time of need. Every single one of us could. And isn't it a good constant reminder that we are surrounded by people who God is working in each of our lives and there may be some of us here that are standing, that are actually going through a difficult, dark time right now, but we know that God's delivered in the past and we're gonna trust him in the present because we know that he holds our future. 
And so as, as we think about that this morning, let this church be a church that is constantly encouraging one another and declaring the good things that God has done in our lives and coming alongside the brokenhearted in their times of need, calling down from the mountain to those in the valley saying, hey, God will come through. I know it seems dark, but I can tell you I've experienced his goodness and his faithfulness even whenever I was in the darkness. And may this church be a church that not only proclaims that to one another here, but also goes out into the community, into the world to proclaim that. I'm gonna pray. Father, you are so good to us and we are so thankful that you are a good, good father. That you hear the cries of your people. And not only do you hear, but you respond. You care for us, God. That you are near to the brokenhearted. That you are a rescuer of souls, that you are a healer of brokenness. The precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of your saints, God. Lord, we trust that this morning. And Father, as we enter into this time of response, Lord, I pray that we would respond in worship and prayer and trust in you. For those that are still seated, I'm just gonna invite you to stand with us as well. Um, we can, we'll continue in an attitude of prayer and worship this morning. If you are going through a, a time of difficulty and you just want somebody to pray with you, if you want to come down front and pray with somebody, that would be great. If you want to come to this altar up front and you want to just pour out and cry out to God, this will be your opportunity to do so. If you want to know what it means to be saved, to have your soul saved from the brokenness of sin, you come forward. Or if you just want to reflect on the ways in which God has answered prayers in your life and delivered you from various things and you just want to worship him in song this morning, you do that. Whatever God is calling you to do, respond to his word today.